You are listening to the Tales of Grimoire. Turn down the lights, grab a snack, and listen. Book One, The Lost God, Chapter Six, The Spark. My, are you paying attention? The master asked. No. Attend closely. They're dying, my, he insisted, his voice echoing off the boundless void surrounding her. My could not breathe. She felt weightless. Who? Everything was on fire. Mai was on fire. It did not burn. Who is dying? Mai awoke with a start. She inhaled sharply and wiped the sweat from her brow. After her heart settled, she glanced wildly about her room. It was still dark. She fumbled by her bedside for her fire striker. She clumsily struck it over where she remembered the candle being. After several false starts, it caught flame and flickered to life. Mai shuddered as she watched the flame's fevered dance, seemingly suspended in a boundless void. Who is dying? Mai trembled, terrified that someone would answer. No one did. Even with the candlelight, the gloom was impenetrable. She could not see to the far side of her room. She dared not set one limb over the edge of her mattress. She felt surrounded not by darkness, but by nothingness. She felt sure that if she dared to leave the candle's feeble light, she would find herself falling into infinite absence and she was terrified of what she might find within. The voice in her dream had been Arsivico. She did not know how she knew, only that she did. Her patron had spoken to her. What do you ask of me? No one answered. Mai slumped back into her futon. She could not bring herself to close her eyes. She refused to look away from the darkness. It felt alive. It felt hungry. It felt like it was waiting for her attention to lapse. It wanted her to close her eyes. Mai could feel tears forming in the corners of her eyes. She bit hard on her tongue to keep from screaming. She measured her breath and waited. At first for two breaths. Then twenty and two hundred. She waited for hours, wary of the predatory nothing. 
She waited for hours, frightened of the emptiness encroaching. She waited for hours, until the bell rang. The bell tolled seven times. As its sound filled the room, it was followed by the first spears of daylight. Mai blew the candle out and rolled onto her feet. She had to speak to the head priestess about her dream. She dressed herself in a hurry and flew to her door. She tore down the long, narrow corridor to the shrine. The head priestess was not there. Of course, she was not there. Not yet. Mai drew several breaths to calm herself. Her heart was beating in erratic rhythm, and every fiber in her being was shaking. Something of an improvement from a few hours ago. Mai knelt before the altar and closed her eyes. Flames filled her vision. They danced slowly, red, orange, and yellow flickering across her face. She watched their movements, unable to open her eyes. She could feel the time slipping past. Seconds turned into minutes, turned into hours as she studied the fire in her mind's eye. Acolyte Kitagawa, a voice interrupted. Mai shot her eyelids open and stared into the head priestess's pupils. Meditation has ended. You may begin your chores, she explained. Mai looked around. Sunlight was now pouring into the shrine in earnest. Several other acolytes were busily cleaning the hall. Hours had slipped by. Mistress, I... Are you unwell, acolyte Kitagawa? You look flushed, she interrupted. Yes, er, no, no, I, I am well, I just, I... I need to speak with you. I had, well, it, it was it was sort of this dream. I, th I think it, I had a sort of vision. Uh, um, uh, yes. You had a vision, she asked suspiciously. Yes, I, I was wondering. I, I hoped if I could... Uh, may we speak somewhere privately? The head priestess nodded slowly after a beat. She helped Mai to her feet, and together they set off down the hallway leading to the shrine office. The office was sparsely appointed, with only a weathered table and two beaten cushions. The scrolls hanging on the walls were adorned only with holy poems. There was a distinct, almost aggressive, lack of color. Have a seat, Kitagawa-san. Tell me about your... vision the priestess instructed. Mai sat. She was breathing heavily. Her chest felt like it was on fire. She was so nervous she could hardly force words out of her mouth. It's... I, I had a dream. I had... It, it was sort of a dream. It was... You know, it, it was my dream. It was more than a dream. It felt so different. I was all alone in the middle of a void, and, and Arcivico spoke to me. He, he... I mean, he spoke to me, and he asked if I, was, if I was paying attention, and I didn't know what I was paying attention to, so I, you know, I said no, because I was n nervous. So anyway, he told me that they're dying, except he wouldn't tell me who is dying. He just showed me a fire. I mean, well... 
uh, he sort of set me on fire, and that's when I woke up, and I needed to talk to you because I don't know what it means, and I thought that the head priestess, she'll know what it means, she'll know what I have to do. Across the low table, the priestess steepled her fingers and retreated into meditation. Mai stared intently for a time. After several moments, her attention began to drift. She could see the castle through the window behind the priestess. The snow-white exterior was bathed in intense morning sunlight. It appeared to glow bright red. Like fire. Mai bit her lip. I think Kitagawa-san, the priestess interrupted. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. I know you have been under a great deal of stress lately. The passing of your father grieves us all. It is common, after a loss, that one's dreams turn dark. When your soul leaves on its nightly walk, it takes paths left otherwise unexplored. It wasn't a dream, head priestess, it was a vision. The priestess sighed before continuing. <sighs> Many acolytes experience what they believe to be visions. People hear our patron's voice and see his signs in everything from dreams to their morning porridge. I have served faithfully at this temple for fifty-three years, and not one of those who has ever heard our master's call has proven to be any sort of prophet. For someone of your delicate nature, I am not surprised a dream of this sort has arisen. Vision, and I think I understand it. If you look, I believe, the priestess interrupted, that you could benefit from calming meditation. I will see to it that another completes your chores this morning, dear. Please, find peace in the garden until I come to collect you. I think, please, she finished. The head priestess rose and motioned for Mai to stand. Mai rose shakily to her feet and cast one final look at the castle. That was where Arcivico wanted her to be. She followed the head priestess to the garden instead. She knelt before the koi pond and closed her eyes. She was completely unable to empty her mind. She could still see the fire. Now, though, it was not burning in the void. She could clearly see it growing through the halls of the castle. It spread languidly across the floors and lazily climbed the walls. The fire consumed the entire building and began devouring the garden around it. Mai could see the tongues of flame lapping around her body, but could not feel their sting. She was not alone. Through the smoke she could see Sakura wreathed in red, Kimiko consumed in orange, Satoshi crowned in yellow. The smoke was filling Mai's lungs. She could not breathe. She coughed violently, but could not rid herself of the stinking, choking vapors. She was dying. She sputtered and spat, but the smoke would not dislodge. Her lungs were burning, her vision was dimming, the flames were consuming her. Her eyes opened in a flash. She drew a deep breath of the burning, cold air. Someone was shaking her. Acolyte Kitagawa, the priestess yelled. 
I'm too late. I should have gone straight there. Straight where? The priestess asked as Mai picked herself up. Home. Mai broke into a sprint. She flung the garden screen open and tore through the hallways until she arrived at the main door. She swung it open and burst into the crowded street. She ignored the bewildered stares of onlookers and charged toward the castle. The sun was getting high. It was almost midday. Mai pushed herself faster still, knocking into pedestrians and narrowly avoiding carts. The castle was nearly on the opposite end of the city. Mai's feet were aching. Something warm and wet that might have been blood was trickling between her toes. She had to keep pushing herself. She was already too late. The castle was steadily growing larger in her vision, its pristine white bulk giving no hint to the red fate about to befall it. Mai reached the gates in agony. Her bare feet were bleeding. Her sides were splitting. Her lungs were burning. Let me through. I have to get in. The guard on duty drew his sword as he studied Mai. It took several agonizing moments for him to recognize her and let her pass. She sprinted through the gate and ran to the sally port. She flung open the oaken door and ran up the stone ramp. She rounded the turn at the top and came face to face with the damned portcullis. She called for a servant to raise it. One of the men walked slowly up and began to ponderously lift the barrier. Once it was open, she ran through and grabbed the man by his shoulders. Fire! He stared back at her in fear and confusion. There's going to be a fire! Where is there going to be a fire? The man tried to wriggle free of Mai's grasp. She let him go, and he ran at full speed toward the nearest staircase. Mai racked her brain for any ideas. There was always the last fire. Mai sprinted to the nearest staircase and began her descent into the basements. The rough, cold stone of the steps was agony against her bleeding feet. Tears were forming in the corners of her eyes. She had to keep going, though. She reached the lowest level and leapt into the corridor. It was completely empty. The candles lining the walls were burning low, casting jagged shadows across the floor where the wax towered over the flame. Mai hurried forward, scanning the floor for the right cover. The last fire was under the Imperial Crescent. After a beat, she came upon her quarry. The cover with the white crescent moon. It was the only thing here that reminded her of the fire. She felt so stupid. What was she doing? Maybe she was losing her senses. She was chasing dreams and pursuing long-buried memories. She sank to her knees and splayed her hand across the cover. It was uncomfortably cold. Mai began sobbing. Minutes passed. Mai sat alone on the freezing floor, sobbing uncontrollably. Then she heard the noise. It was quiet, the faintest suggestion of rustling cloth. Mai could scarcely explain how she had heard it, close as it was to silence. The breath of a butterfly would have made a greater sound. The noise was followed by indescribable pain. 
every fiber of Mai's being burst into agony. She felt as though her entire body were aflame. Her thoughts were lost in the sea of surprise and anguish that washed over her. She could feel herself losing grasp of the waking world. Everything was going dark. She could hear her heart sending shockwaves of pain through her body with each beat. And then it was over. All Maya could feel was a dull ache at the base of her skull. She could not feel any pain below it. After a moment, she realized she could not feel anything below it. She attempted to move her arm. It did not respond. She attempted to stand. She remained sprawled against the floor. Tears blurred her vision. She could not move. She could not feel anything. Panic and pain and sorrow and rage filled her mind. Tears flowed like rain. She could not understand what was happening. She could not understand why she could not move. She felt like a caged animal. She felt so lonely in this freezing, empty basement. After a moment, though, she realized that she could not possibly be alone. Hello. Hello. Her voice came out weak and strained, but hearing it was reassuring. Mai's tears began anew as she took a moment to rejoice in the sound of her words. Her joy was cut short when her blurred vision suddenly turned dark. Someone had stepped in front of her. Mai could not see clearly through her tears in the dim and flickering candlelight. She could not move her head to get a better angle on the newcomer. Hello? Hello? Who's there? Mai felt something grab her jaw. She shrieked in panic. Her jaw was being forced open. She could feel a cool, flat blade being slid into her mouth. She closed her eyes tightly and began whimpering. She tried to brace for what was to come, but her will had left her. When her tongue was cut out, she tried to scream. As hot, sticky blood flowed down her throat, she could only gurgle and choke. She could not spit it out. She tried to claw at her mouth, but her hands would not respond. She tried to call for help, but no words escaped her lips. She had run dry of tears. Pain radiated out from the stump of her tongue. She could not bear it. She could not continue. She wanted nothing more than to return to the temple, to drop to her knees in the meditation garden and beg the forgiveness of the priestess and the master. She wished to be anywhere but here. After a beat, she felt her cheek scraping the stone. She opened her eyes. She could vaguely see that she was moving. The other person must be dragging her somewhere. Into another hallway, into one of the closets. Perhaps even into the sewers below. Mai could not tell. 
When it stopped, Mai found herself facing dark stone. She heard footsteps retreating into the hallway. The pain would not stop. She could not bear it any longer. She tried calling for Sakura. Only strained grunts and pops escaped her blood-soaked throat. Who was that? A distant voice asked. Mai held her breath. She knew that voice. No idea. She was just crying on the floor. A man answered. You killed her? The first voice, a woman's, pressed. My lady, I have never assassinated anyone in your service before. If I am to die today, it will not be with another's blood on my hands. She is incapacitated, he answered. She's going to die anyway, the woman countered irritably. She will die by fire, not by my blade, he spat. Mai was certain she knew who the woman was. If the damned pain could be stopped, she might be able to focus, to remember. The woman changed the subject. My man in the rookery tells me the bitch took the bait. Give me a few minutes to make my exit, and then you may begin. Yes, my lady, the man accepted solemnly. And thank you, my good man. You honor your house and mine in this great undertaking. The citizens shall hail the fall of the shogun. The land shall finally be made whole again, and they shall sing of your sacrifice for untold centuries to come. May you find peace on your walk the woman said. Mai heard footsteps receding away from her. She tried in vain to call out. She needed help. Everyone needed help. Mai suffered in silence for minutes. She felt as though she suffered for centuries. Everything she could feel hurt, and everything she could not feel was truly painful. Master of Chaos. She had not heard it at first, over the sound of her pulse and the disorganization of her thoughts. Eventually she came to realize that the man was chanting. Master of Chaos, attend my plea. He kept repeating it, over and over again. For minutes on end, the man would not stop. His voice was like a needle in Mai's mind, never stopping in his chant. His words were a constant, unbearable drumbeat. As he continued, though, Mai noticed a change. The freezing air was growing ever colder. The low light was growing ever dimmer. The atmosphere was growing heavy. Goose flesh erupted across Mai's neck. Something dark, something sinister was approaching. Everything felt wrong. When Mai could no longer stand the very air itself, the chant changed. I summon flame of unmatched ferocity. I offer payment. The blood demanded. In an instant, everything was aflame. <laughs>